Chapter 25 of Workhouse Characters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Workhouse Characters by Margaret Nevinson. Chapter 25 The Pauper and the Old Age Pension. On January 1st, the receipt of poor law relief ceases to be a disqualification for old age pensions. And some interesting statistics have been compiled by the Daily Mail, which show that only about 17% of all people in the workhouses are applying for their five shillings per week. These are the figures for England and Wales. In the metropolitan area, where rents are high, and the smallest room cannot be had under two shillings, or half a crown a week, the proportion will be lower still. At first sight, these figures are very disappointing, and it seems to some of us who have counted so much on this reform, as if we cannot escape from the evils of the workhouse system. But a little thought will show how impossible it is for this generation of old folk to take advantage of the change. The wished-for has come too late. They have burnt their ships, or rather their beds, sold up the little ohm. They have neither bag nor baggage, bed nor clothing. They are like snails with broken shells. There is no protection against the rude world, and once having made the sacrifice, few people over seventy have the pluck to start life afresh. It is hardly worth while. For them the bitterness of death is past. A committee of our board has held three special sessions for the purpose of interviewing these old people, and the answer has come with varying monotony. No thank you. Five shillings would be no good to me. I have nowhere to go. Some have sons and daughters, but heavy families and crowded rooms dry up filial piety. There is no place for the aged father or mother in our rack-rented city, and the old people accept their fate with the quiet philosophy of the poor. The long string of human wreckage files past us, some bowed and bent with the weight of years, others upright and active, some with the hoary heads of the traditional prophets, others black-haired and keen-eyed still, for the high living of the workhouse as is often remarked, preserves youth in a miraculous way. Some are crippled and half-blind. Others suffer with deafness, an ailment of poverty, which very naturally grows worse under inquisitive questioning, and nearly all have rheumatism. A curate once told me that he was summoned to a sick parishioner who was troubled in mind and wanted to make his peace with heaven. But the only sin he could remember was the rheumatics. The disease seems to be a national sin. One hears the country accents of the United Kingdom, the burr of Northumbria, the correct English of East Anglia, the rough homeliness of Yorkshire and the Midlands, the soft accents of Devonshire and the West, the precision of the foreign English of the Welsh mountains, the pleasant ring of the Scottish tongue, the brogue of old Ireland, 
few seem londoners take any group of people and see how few of her children london seems to bring to maturity it is our last meeting today and we go to visit those who cannot attend the sick and bedridden and the infirmary a mere form for these are vessels which will sail no more sea-battered half derelict nearing port and for them the dawn will break in the new jerusalem some are palsied and paralyzed and half senile but now and again keen old eyes look at us from the whiteness of the ratepayer sheets and regret they are too old to apply very ancient folk live in these wards and their birthdays go back to the tens and twenties of last century one old lady being born in the historic year of eighteen fifteen an old man jealous of her greater glory says he is one hundred and nine but our register of age gives a comparatively recent date of eighteen thirty few of them seem to have any friends or visitors children are dead grandchildren and great-grandchildren have forgotten them but they do not complain age mercifully deadens the faculties though their terrible loneliness was once graphically written on my brain by the speech of an old irish woman i am quite alone lady i have no friends but you and the almighty god we have interviewed a hundred and three and only eleven have applied for the pension the wished for as i have said has come too late but another generation will be saved from the house and will be able to die outside so often the last wish of the aged the merciful alteration of the law will save this generation of outdoor poor old people in the late sixties have no longer been dying of starvation in the terror of losing the pension through accepting poor relief and the greater independence of the state pensioner is heartening many on the imperial taxes said an old gentleman with a somewhat low standard of cleanliness i can be as dirty as ever i like footnote act amended nineteen eleven End of chapter 25. Recording by John Brandon.